while the last like three, two, three, could be up to like 10 years. I mean, 20 years where you've spent building yourself and spent so much time working on yourself that now, I mean, is it foreign to now bring somebody into the picture and now work on something together? Ask anyone how their current relationships are playing out and you'll probably get an eye roll with a don't even get me started type of comment. Alisana Forden, founder and director of the Lotus Counseling Center, joins the podcast to discuss why relationships seem to be plateauing all throughout society. So, let's do it. Too many days in the darkness Without a glimpse of the light Running tired and broken and scared But I swear I'll never give up the fight I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every part of you wants to surrender Darling, you were meant to survive So why do relationships feel like such a mess right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I would think um, I would tend to concur. So, you know, at Lotus Counseling, we treat all kinds of issues. But I'd say 80% of the people that come to us are coming for some kind of relationship issue, either with family members, spouses, mm. partners, work, employees, but also our relationship with ourselves. So like just to walk it back a bit, I think probably, you know, we saw a real uptick after COVID, right? People's, it's not that relationships weren't kind of the center of the focus before COVID, but after COVID, I think it took away the illusion of control. And I think people found they were together more often. Yeah. That caused more friction. Um, people became more anxious. So I think in the last three years, we really seen this kind of heightened, like, oh my God, like, how do I make my relationships work? Um, and that, you know, in and of itself, that's a really broad question, right? Like in knowing that I was going to be speaking to you, I was kind of did some Googling and looking around and, you know, years ago, um, in the kind of theory of relationship theory, right? Marriage and family therapy, if we want to call it that it was about making ourselves more appealing to whomever. That was like theory 30 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago. Now it's a whole different paradigm shift. It's more about, well, let me understand myself. Let me see who I am and who am I choosing to be in partnership or relationship or marriage with? I've actually seen that to evolve itself across like dating apps too. Well, you know, and I'm thinking about this and, you know, you and I were joking, like I'm way much, much generations older than you are. But I think like, what a fabulous time to be living with so much more information about ourselves, about what makes relationships work, about finding out what's beneficial to us, right? There's a whole ton of information out there now that we didn't have 20 or 25 years ago, right? We can look at attachment styles. We can look at love languages. I'm, I'm kind of giving you like simplistic stuff, but all of this stuff for your viewers, um, I think matters, right? Like yeah. how do we know what's best for us in our own relationship style? Do we, you know, 
I mean, like hands down, we would know, like if we looked at Gottman is one of the uh, uh, preeminent, I think, you know, couples, relationship experts. And Julie and uh, John Gottman have very solid research done. He claims he can predict within two minutes of looking at a couple whether they last or not. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, there, but there are things that we know that are good for any relationship. We want a sound foundation in that. And I think that um, rather than rushing into relationships, I think, you know, you and I chatted about this a little bit on the phone. I think we want to look at why do people want to have a relationship? Yeah, from step one. Well, yeah, like, okay, so I find a lot of times people fantasize about what a relationship's going to be. It's going to take away their angst. Um, they're going to feel better. They're going to, you know, uh, be happier. Well, we know that maybe that's true for the first three to six months. Oh, you know, oxytocin is firing. Um, there's the fantasy being played out. But at the end of the day, um, when that stuff goes away, and it inevitably does for all of us, right? When you've been in a relationship, we really have to think, okay, what are the fundamentals that really matter in connecting with somebody? And how, and you know, how do we want to connect? You know, what I love about living today, right, is that there's so many more options, right? It doesn't have to be a traditional marriage. It could be a situationship. Not that I'm advocating for any of this. I'm just saying yeah. that you guys have options now, whereas I think, like saying when I was growing up, you, you know, you're either married or you're, I don't know. Um, and yeah. so I, I think it's just uh, a really good time to be able to say, okay, well, you know, what works for me? Yeah, and I think to a point too, we've also like peaked at the level of options because now I think the amount of options that are out there is actually turning into a problem sometimes uh -huh. where it's almost like the cheesecake cheesecake factory menu um uh -huh. metaphor where like you look at the menu and there's so much on the menu it's like five pages you ever been in the restaurant the cheesecake oh, factory I it uh voluminous it's yeah. it's amazing but like you go through you're just turning it's like as as long as the bible and you're turning you're like wait what do i want what do i want what do i want and then you just end up kind of like picking something and then your plate comes and if it doesn't immediately match what you originally wanted and fantasize and romanticize in your mind, you go, oh, well, maybe I should have got the jambalaya pasta or the, um, the well, fried shrimp. And you had a great point where I think in the beginning, we end up like a lot of times with relationships and, and really I think in, in life decisions, we romanticize things. Fan we, and we put out a fantasy, right? Yeah. We project a fantasy of what we think it's going to be like rather than, no, this is the reality, is the reality of the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And the reality of the relationship is way different than our fantasy. Yeah. Right? And, and we're all guilty of that, even me with all my training. Oh, yeah, still yeah. Happens and to me. I found yeah. too, and this was my, when I moved to Miami too, this is, this I fell victim to this myself. Like even like when we, relocate or move to like different cities when i moved down here you romanticize it in your mind you all of a sudden you just think about all the good things and don't even consider like well the what ifs what ifs what ifs like you know is that job gonna actually work out when i get there is is am i gonna you know fit in at work am i gonna make friends how is my everyday gonna be we kind of romanticize it the same way we do when we first get into a relationship like we think it's just gonna be the entire honeymoon and then we realize yeah yeah, so I was speaking to somebody. I, I work out at a gym, you know, near where I live, and um, somebody that I, you know, has been training too. And uh, she's married, and uh, uh, 
you know, I'd been dating and we were joking about, she said, oh, gee, I just wish I could be single. She's married, wishes she could be single. And then the people who are single just wish they could be, be in a married. relationship, right? <laughs> so I'm saying this, I'm yeah. saying this because I think we as humans fall victim to that, right? We want The grass is greener. Uh, yeah, we want something that the grass is greener over there. Right. And so I think as a practice, it's really important to want what we have. Yes, at some moment it may change and that's great, but it needs to change for the right reasons, not because, oh, my fantasy is that it's better over there. And, yeah. you know, you and I were talking and I think you mentioned I'm a perfectionist and I said, oh, no, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I think there are good enough relationships, right? Like if you've been on a dating app, you keep thinking, oh, well, I could just maybe find someone a little whatever your thing is, right? But the fact is, is that if you date to your baseline and you're getting 37%, I know this is low, um, but 37% of what you want you're doing really well. Like mm. I think what people 37 percent that would be the time. It's it like I thought it was going to be way higher, but mm. when I kind of looked at statistics, so it's a question of like we need to be able to contribute to a relationship and help it grow. And relationships, great relationships, just don't happen. And so I think it's really important to know. No, you're right with that. What that is right. So when I did a little googling around. And what I found was that 75% of all relationships end within eight years. But of those people that are still married, 74% of them are happily married. Mm. But the eight, the, you know, the 75% that are getting divorced, they're getting divorced because they're citing not enough commitment to the actual marriage. And I think this mm. is so whether we're talking about a relationship or a marriage, we want to think about, okay, well, we also need to get it hardwired into us that we help build those relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting too, because I've heard that before. I've heard that seven to eight year fact. And now that you say it, a lot of like divorces and relationships that have, I know that have ended with people is right around that time, that timeline. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and why they're citing the divorce is because of lack of commitment. Now, yeah, it's hard when a relationship kind of hits the skids a little bit, right? People are getting triggered. Now, what people don't understand is why they're getting triggered. Like we all get triggered in relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oftentimes in close relationships, people project onto one another. Like I am kind of uh, psychodynamically trained, meaning slightly Freudian, right? And I believe in the defenses. And some basic information I think is good for all of us to understand about what contributes to the difficulty of relationships. Yeah. Because like you said, it starts with yourself. Well, more self-awareness, right? Is going to say, okay, well, I'm getting triggered by this person. Most people want to go to blame the other yeah, person. Yeah, this, oh, yeah. Daniel, you know, said, talk to me this way. And a little bit, I want to say, okay, yeah, you know, in a couple or in a partnership relationship, you can talk to the other person to make a request. But ultimately what goes on with us is within ourselves and that we have control over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah emotional displacement is insane because I notice it so often, especially myself. I, I'm very reflective and I go, yeah. whoa, 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 no, don't do this to this person yeah. because it, it, they had nothing to do well, with kudos it. Kudos to you yeah. for like even being aware of that, right? Because a lot of people are not aware. And so I think the more 
awareness we have about our own reactions, our own processing, our own triggers, it's only going to be helpful to, you know, to whomever we're, you know, doing that with or talking to. I, uh, you know, in researching this, um, I think it was the got it was on a Gottman podcast that, and this I believe even maybe more than you know people always say well communication is the thing that's going to really help your relationship and I'm mm -hmm. in absolute agreement right yeah, yeah. Um, but how people hold the view of their partner friend whatever it is if someone is committed to having a negative view of the person it's never going to work. Mm. I think all of us as humans are sometimes we're hardwired to look for the negative, but I've found in my own life, right? The more I'm concentrating on gratitude about the things that are working in my relationships, in my life, yeah, yeah, period, yeah. is how we want to start to train our minds, right? To really process stuff. Mm. Because if someone's committed, I was in a relationship, you know, last year and, um, you know, clearly I... Commit, like up. a long-term committed relationship. It was a long. Yeah. It was a long-term relationship. We were monogamous, and yeah, it was it was serious, somewhat serious. And uh, but um, you know, there were things that I did out of my own anxiety. Probably looking back, would I have you know when I got upset about something spoken that way? No, I've learned. I've mm -hmm. changed my you know dialogue. However, the person in the relationship with me got obviously offended and hurt by what I said. And he kind of is still committed like two years later. Well, you did this then. And I'm like, yeah, but that was two years ago. Yeah. And if you want to hold me in that place, then okay. But, you know, I'm maybe not the same person. Yeah, is my core somewhat the same? But I, we all can change. So I think it's that we don't want to have someone committed to finding the negative in us. We want somebody who can look for the positive. And I mm. think even when I'm working, like, let's say a couple's on the verge of divorce or whatever, you know, I was thinking to give your viewers some, you know, three tips, like what can we do to kind of just shift the energy in a relationship? And that would be one of them, right? Like looking for, like when you first met somebody, your last you know, relationship, what were the things that drew you to that person? Because inevitably in the beginning, there was great stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that over time then, you know, when people get stressed, two people are working. When you go back and you think like, well, then why did you decide to get into this in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to remember. And I guess the other thing that, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier is that I also find that someone's ability to regulate their own emotions, right? So let's say you say something, you know, you and I are in a relationship, you say, oh, Alessandra, why did you like put the dishes away? I don't know, something that had a little bit of a tone. Now, that may be something that like, oh, my father spoke to me that way and I find myself getting triggered. Well, rather than like lashing out at you, which would be maybe my first- Yeah, a little displaced, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, let me take a breath. All that happened was he said that to me. It's my own story. I think we all make up a lot of stories about what the person said, what it meant, and we need to be able to recognize that for ourselves, right? And say, oh, wait a minute. All he said was this. Yeah. Does I'm, I'm adding all that other stuff to it. Doesn't mean that that's really true. But this is hard because when stuff, when we get triggered, it's happening so quickly. So we want to make sure that we can, you know, take a breath, take a moment, really like a little bit process within ourselves, like, okay, well, what's going on for me before I start mm. throwing it back or lashing out or whatever. Yeah. And have, have you, um, 
you have any any uh i'd say like success stories when people come in and it's just like relationships in like a a shamble um and they're trying to put the pieces back together and then it did eventually flourish yeah so yes the answer would be yes however i don't think anything in life happens quickly change is really hard it's hard to change ourselves it's hard to change within a couple we get we all as humans get habituated to what we're used to right what feels yeah. familiar and therein lies the rub so sometimes stuff that feels familiar no if it was a traumatic childhood and we got hardwired to feeling uh agitation and tension in our relationships no we don't want to carry that forward but that's what we're comfortable yeah. with well that's not a great thing so how do we intercept those patterns? How do we turn them around and make them work? But that's when the, that's the tough part, right? And I think that's when a lot of people bail. They're like, ah, I just can't do this. I'm not going to do it, right? Or people hang in. And those couples that hung in, but I'm talking about, so I have a, a it's not a couple that I worked with, but someone else. And the couple came in religiously for five years. Mm. That's a long time. And five they, years. Five wow. years. And they have an amazing relationship today. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So, you know, I think we all want instant, like... Are they, and they, do they still work? Yeah. It's like uh, they're still coming in even no, when times no, no, are no, good? No, 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 no. They ended therapy after about five years and they're still in a great relationship. And, you know, like any relationship, not perfect, but yeah. really pretty darn good. Um, so I think it's a question of, like, understanding... Yeah, this is when the tough, you know, get going and you, yeah, you, yeah. you commit, but it takes effort. Yeah. It takes effort. It does. It, is that the expectation that you pick up on when people, when people walk in to your office to try to find a change or a fix to something, are you finding that they think it's going to be quick? Well, what we really saw uh, like during and after COVID, right? Not that we're completely out of COVID, but there was a huge uptick in the demand for meds. Now I'm a big believer if medication can be really effective, I'm more of an alternative integrative person. So if I can use something natural, I will. I, yeah, but, the, but, the holistic approach, I'm such a okay. fan of. But but that being said, when, when medication is needed, uh, it really can work and it can work really, really well. So I'm not like dissing medication in any way, but we saw a huge uptick in the demand for meds during and after COVID, mm. right? So I think people's anxiety was through the roof. People felt more depressed. And so those um, situations, and look, we're not in an easy time on the planet. I mean, no, I'm not going to get we're political with we're you here, but... I do think that some of what we're talking about is really important as we go through the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years. I do think we are in a, a major shift on the planet. And I don't want to be too woo-woo, but I do think anyone's ability to develop a skill set within themselves, right? Like learning how to meditate, being more self-aware, using breath to manage ourselves. That's only going to serve people so well going forward because a lot of the world that we knew or the world where, you know, I had the milkman come and we didn't keep our <laughs> doors locked, right? When I was growing up, yeah. um, that's not the world we live in. So no. really for my nieces and nephews and their kids, 
you know, I'm concerned because it's, it's a different world. And how do we help people find a level of contentment, right? And satisfaction within ourselves. And yeah, we choose to be in a relationship. Great. We all need connection. We all want connection. We, we love to have that kind of closeness. However, it's not to take away, um, our own, you know, challenges. So I have this theory that there's a rise in individualism in our culture right now that is affecting relationships and all relationships with family, with um, our our partners, our wives, our, our husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends, whoever we're dating, and then workplace relationships too. And I think the rise of individualism plays a direct role with that. And not that I'm... Not, I'm it's hard to take a side on either of this because I understand why people kind of, you know, want to gear more towards what they want to do personally all the time rather than being kind of uh, susceptible. I mean, it's all different in work and, and in relationships. You can you can tweak it a little bit, but I, I've kind of picked up on a sense that there's less patience for people um, coming together and agreeing on things, whether that's in work or in relationships. And I got to kind of think that it has a lot to do with people being more in their corners and going, well, you move first, you move first, and then I'll move first. I would say, and I don't know if this is what you mean by individualism, but it's kind of what we're talking about a little bit earlier, where in the younger generations now, you know, like there's just more openness to almost anything. And I do think we are at a time in the evolution of the species where we are allowing our individuality to really thrive and almost be really, like if you look at Instagram, right? And I'm thinking, how fabulous is this? Everybody has their own like little TV show, right? And they can kind of, I mean, I understand that it also represents like some fantasy of life, not always the reality, but, I think we all, even an ad, I was in New York City last year and I was looking up at the billboards in Times Square and there was one, I'm forgetting whose ad it was, but it was all about being you and being you in the most individual way. You don't need to look like anybody else. You don't need to be like anybody else. That each person, if we really think about it, the individual gifts that we have and the uniqueness that we all have, why not you know, that's an incredible thing. And why not highlight that? It's not to be so much that we all look the same, act the same, do the same thing within the parameters of society, right? Yeah, it is. It is a really good aspect of that, which is why I think you see people flourishing and developing in different ways and things that they never would have done. Like, like even just like this podcast, like I would have never like, like developed this uh-huh. on like, uh, if I didn't kind of take an individualistic approach and go like, well, what is it that I really want to do? What is it that, you know, makes me happy? What is it that like, you know, and, and it's really, you know, when people ask themselves these questions, it's a really great way to like dis- self discover yourself. And then when you put it into action and actually execute it on it, really amazing things can. Well, you know, I'm a meditator from way back, right? And just to give you like a little, I grew up in a fairly traumatic home, although I thought it was normal until I was like 27 then I realized, oh no, (laughs) far from normal. And a lot of my life has been about, um, you know, I also started, you know, there was some addiction in my family and I myself also, you know, recovered from smoking and drinking and like that. But my life has really been committed to about self-discovery, right? Because I could have really numbed myself out. And I think we're living in a time when 
how incredible is it that we get to, you know, develop ourselves and look at ourselves and really see. So like when you were saying you're doing your podcast, I'm like, this is great that Daniel, that you came up with this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're young and why not? But where I was going with this is that my ability to intuit and really listen to myself, right? Like my higher wisdom, not my reptile brain mm. and to really learn, okay, well, what really suits me? I think it's not a selfish, I guess it is a slightly self-absorbed perspective, but ultimately it's for the good of like, if I know myself better, I'm going to be able a, to help other people more, yeah. to show up in a relationship more. My knowledge of myself is going to allow me to be more present, not to kind of like, oh, well, maybe this guy's going to be better or maybe... Yeah. You know, all of the kind of mind yeah, stuff and, we do, and right? And I would say it's just without the negative connotation to it, it's 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 selfish, but without the negative connotation. Because a lot of times we think, oh, well, being selfish is automatically a negative thing when I think a lot of times I, I it's, it's not, you know? I don't at all. Right? Yes, and the, the, the rise of, uh, plays right into it, the rise of individualism, which I think, um, I think relationship-wise, it's like, okay, we're all becoming a better version of ourselves through this. Now, how do we make it work when there's two people that have really been working on themselves over the years? Now they're coming together and and trying to make a relationship with both of them work while the last like three, two, three, could be up to like 10 years, I mean, 20 years where you've spent building yourself and spent so much time working on yourself that now, I mean, is it foreign to now bring somebody into the picture and now work on something together? Well, hopefully if one has spent that amount of time working on oneself, the person that you're going to attract or choose to be in a relationship with is going to probably be a better choice because you're going to know yourself a lot better and you're mm. going to know, well, I don't really, that's not my thing. So somebody who's a little more open to, I don't know, music or art or, or being kind and considerate. I mean, Everybody, I think it's good for everyone to understand like, what they need. I mean, yes, we've done enough psychological studies. Yes, we have a lot of information about what makes relationships work, but that's in a book, right? It's different yeah. when you get to putting two people together. Way different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. in actuality. It's in reality. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of hope, right? In the scenario that you painted, right? You have people who've been working on themselves. Okay, it doesn't mean we're, we're still two fully functioning, individuated people come together. Well, they're going to have more knowledge and awareness and hopefully less reactivity. Yeah. So it doesn't mean there are not going to be any differences or any yeah. fights or whatever, but the, the ability to resolve them or to live in a contented, you know, happier state it should ideally be easier because we should be more of a higher level One of talent yeah we should be a higher yeah. caliber of yeah. talent when it comes to yeah. actually solving those issues um but uh yeah it's 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 really interesting seeing because you're you're almost because the years have gone on people getting into relationships is now more delayed it's not the 18 20 year olds now it's like people in like their early 20s early 30s doing it and at that point you're not necessarily building your lives together i mean you you are essentially but like 18 to like 25 30 is really tough years a lot of times people stay single and you know you're not building up from from ground up anymore you already have the concrete lead you have the you have uh, a lot of your individual home 
emotionally built up and and who you are and your hopefully. self-identity hopefully right, right. Um, I, but i don't always so many people who i'm sorry for interrupting Deb. you're good um you know, I love to work with young adults, right? So a lot of people who come to us, I say the core demographic for Lotus Counseling are 20 to 40 year old young professionals. We know the, the, the human brain isn't fully formed until we're 26. So people in their 20s are really searching and looking to find what works for them, who they are. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just encourage that, right? It's great. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to be doing in your 20s so that you can figure out by the time you're in your 30s, early 30s, like, okay, well, this is what I want. I want to create a family or whatever. And you're doing it with more, hopefully, self-awareness than like just, oh, yeah, well, because yeah, that's just what I do. I love that you brought that Google, uh, like when you look up, because um, if you look up on Google, when does a man fully mature, like in terms of being like their uh -huh. full mature self, what do you think number comes up? Oh God! Don't put me on a on the spot here. I don't know. Type in Google. When do men fully mature? Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. And. And you don't even have to click link because it just comes up, which means like that's like the, yeah. the solid answer. I'm not going to get myself it says, in trouble here. Forty three years old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which like is so funny because like it um. No comment. It's very surprising. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, are you expected to be higher or lower? Way lower, way lower. I was expecting like, I mean, 20 to 25 ish or maybe, you know, but uh, I mean, I don't think anybody expects in the 40s. I, I find guys like, um, you know, younger guys are much more self-aware, generally speaking, than like men my age mm. or older. I th well, Which I, I think it's I, an amazing. I think it's great. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I would agree with that. I would agree yeah. with that. Um, especially if you were just to ask. I think that really how to get somebody to, if you really know if they're emotionally aware, is just ask them. Well, why do you feel that way? And if and if they're able to kind of like give a a concrete answer backed up by like a personal experience, like boom, you hit yeah. it on the nail. Um, rather than fumbling a lot of words and then like, oh. <laughs> But um, there's a lot of focus now on our emotional selves, which is which is really good. But um, I think it's it's some of that from the movement is taking away from that uh, that will to make something work with somebody. And I want to make that re cool again. I want to make that popular to do and desirable to do to make it work and to make arguments and disagreements part of the norm rather than oh my god we just had a fight and then now we're going to go out and uh you know and and now we notice the options that we have so well, I, we've really seen you know with um you know the ad the advent of there's just more permission to talk about mental wellness and yeah. all of that i mean i think we're living in a time when this is, you know, it's not like it has to all be uh, in the closet around, you know, like I have some issues that I need to discuss. Yeah. I have not ever met a human who wouldn't benefit from therapy or from a greater love of self, meaning more self-love, more kindness to oneself. That critical inner voice needs to get yeah. quieted, right? And then it allows people to have a better um, relationship with themselves and therefore... Right. Yeah. Like with other people. Well, also too to kind of channel those like those those discussions like we we had said where instead of talking to your tennis coach or the bartender, like 
put that, like, don't displace that conversation. Go right to that person who by title alone should get that conversation with you, mm -hmm. right? Like th that person is entitled by their relationship with you to re receive those emotions from you that- You stop you there. I don't, that I don't no? agree with. No, no. No, really? No. Go get a therapist. Go talk to the therapist okay. about That's fair. the issues. Because I don't think the partner should be the therapist. I absolutely mm. they're not trained. Are there issues that you want to discuss with your partner? Absolutely. And do it in a way that they it's can functional. hear it. functional, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but this has been awesome, Alison. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Um, if anybody listening would um like to reach out hear about some of your services in terms of uh building better relationships is there any place they can find you in particular yeah well we i own a company called lotus counseling center we have multiple locations we do telehealth um throughout the state we're actually expanding to new york and uh uh, nationally, hopefully soon. So we provide all kinds of services, all kinds of therapeutic services, relationship services, relationship coaching, um, you know, divorce, family stuff, we treat children. So we have a team of 30 really highly talented psychotherapists, psychologists, and uh, we're about to bring on a psychiatrist too. That's awesome. Yeah. And for people listening to even if you're not going through something, being proactive with it and going like, okay, you know, maybe I'm getting a new job or I'm, I'm getting well, so. I think there are things about therapy that people don't realize. You know, some of the therapy, I just look at as an entry point, right? Not yeah. everybody coming into therapy is at the same level. Yeah. Okay. If you're having dysfunction in your relationships or you're depressed or you're anxious, yes, absolutely come see us. But also if you're not getting enough satisfaction out of life or you're thinking about changing careers or a, great um, point. a life adjustment stages, right? And some of therapy sometimes, especially at the beginning, is about educating like basic facts. And I always say, I wish that we had these kind of courses in school, yeah. right? That we learn how to in school. communicate and uh, yeah. how to have conflict and how to resolve conflict. But therapy can be for that too, right? Yeah. And then ultimately, as someone really evolves and, you know, then it can be about, you know, maybe raising consciousness and opening up states of awareness. Yeah. And there's lots of places to go. Unlimit does. Yeah. yeah. Limitless, I should say. Yeah. 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 Um, but Alessandra, thank you. Thanks. I, I love talking to you and uh, good for you for having this and being uh, a leader in uh, at such a young age. Every star.